Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, April 1st, 2021. April Fool's Day. No, <laughs> we're here for real. This is the Muni Lowdown the podcast produced by Deadwire Municipals. And today, we have senior reporter Kathy O'Donnell in Harrisburg, PA. Kathy, how are you? I'm doing well, Young. How are you doing? All right. It's a little dreary here in the Northeast. Like I'm sure where you are too, but um, hopefully sunny days, sunny months, and a sunny year ahead with vaccinations and hopefully some sense of normalcy, but you never know. It's actually pretty sunny here in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, so look, looking forward to the day. Okay, I guess the clouds are moving east and they'll probably come <laughs> yeah. by pretty soon. That's by it. I should go in the weather business. <laughs> yeah, by the time, by time we're done with the podcast, I'll have the sun come out. So, yeah, Kathy, we've got you on the show and you've been covering this court case in which the plaintiffs, the city of Philadelphia and the city of Baltimore alleged that eight big Wall Street banks have conspired to inflate variable rate demand obligation or... VRDOs, interest interest rates. And so why don't you bring us up to date, tell us the latest twists in this case. Well, Young, the defendant banks, uh, they got some good news last Friday when the judge in the case, who is uh, Judge Jesse M. Furman of the uh, Southern District of New York, he denied a request uh, by the plaintiffs, Philadelphia and Baltimore, for a conference regarding what the city said was the bank's refusal to designate certain uh, what they called appropriate document custodians. And specifically what they wanted the court to force the banks to do was to identify and produce documents from two kinds of custodians, one being uh, portfolio managers for the defendants affiliated money market funds and the other being traders of derivatives and other contracts related to the SIFMA index which is an index of VRDO rates that the complaint discusses. And the banks, um, which I can tell you are JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Barclays, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, RBC, and Wells Fargo, um, their counsel wrote a letter to the judge you know, opposing this idea and saying that they had already agreed to designate, I believe, more than 120 document custodians, and that now you know, Philly and Baltimore wanted at least 17 more, even though the people that they wanted this additional information for had nothing to do with BRDO rate setting or remarketing. So the bank said that that was unduly burdensome and uh, burdensome and the you know and disproportionate to what the case needed. And the judge essentially agreed, and so that round went to the banks. All right, Kathy. So looks like you mentioned a lot of the big players when you mentioned the banks. So Kathy, let's let's take a step back for a second and tell us. Tell us in the audience, what are VDOs and what's at stake in this case? Sure. Well, if I can start with your last question first, there's a whole lot at stake in this case, and it's certainly a very interesting case. Uh, It alleges a conspiracy involving things like code words and meetings between conspirators at bond buyer conferences and Municipal Bond Club of New York happy hours. There's even a whistleblower, and the complaint is uh, peppered with references to industry insiders providing details of this scheme. And uh, Philadelphia and Baltimore um, are bringing this, you know, class action case, which is an antitrust case on behalf of themselves and a proposed class of VRDO issuers. And what the cities are alleging is that the banks inflicted harm 
that likely amounts to billions of dollars class-wide. So since this suit is seeking relief that includes actual damages and treble damages, that's not chump change, and it could definitely leave a dent in the defendant's collective wallets if the plaintiffs prevail here. The banks, however, say that Philly and Baltimore have failed to allege a, you know, any kind of plausible antitrust uh, conspiracy theory here, and then that the case you know, really should be dismissed. And what they're saying is that cities are essentially accusing them, these eight banks, of conspiring to inflate daily and weekly interest rates that the banks have set on thousands of VRDOs over an eight-year period, which would amount to like hundreds of thousands of interest rates. That would be something that would, you know, the banks are saying would be kind of implausible to do. So, so getting back to your question about what would actually are VDR VRDOs are, well, they are not short-term vacation rentals, <laughs> and you know they're VRBO. And I have to, as I as I uh, joke, you know, have to kind of do control F and and uh, do the spell check to make sure there's nothing <laughs> in the copy that looks right. like that. But essentially, VD, VRDOs are mainly tax-exempt bonds with interest rates that are typically reset weekly, and they're issued by like state and local public entities, that, like municipalities and agencies, you know, universities and hospitals you know, to fund operations and infrastructure, public services like schools, water systems, transportation, things like that. And they have appeal for those kinds of issuers because it allows those issuers, say like a municipality, to borrow money for a long period of time, but still pay short-term interest rates. Um, And for investors, you know, they like VRDOs because the bonds come with a built-in put feature, and that allows the investors to redeem the bond at any you know periodic reset date at face value plus accrued interest so that makes them a low risk highly liquid investment so so that's why both sides you know kind of see the appeal in brdos mm, okay that that makes sense so then l- then let me ask you something so how exactly do the banks fit in into all this what's their role regarding the vrdos sure well the banks uh they serve as something called a remarketing agents and in that job, they essentially have two roles. First one is the remarketing agents are required to reset the interest rates of the VRDO at the lowest possible rate that would allow the bonds to trade at par. Job number two is when an existing investor decides to exercise a put on the bonds and tendering them, it tenders them back to the remarketing agent. Then the remarketing agent is required to remarket the VRDO to other investors at the lowest possible rate. And, you know, if the bank slash remarketing agent can't find a buyer for the VRDO, then the obligation to buy the tendered bond falls to the letter of credit provider, which often is the bank. They could end up with these bonds. And VRDO issuers like, you know, the municipalities and, you know, the public universities or whatever, they want to get the lowest interest rate possible, obviously, for of their course. debt because they want to keep yeah financing down. So, so in a market that's you know working as it should be, the remarketing agents would all be kind of you know vying against each other um, for customers by trying to set the lowest rate possible so that they could win the issuers' business. But the you know what what these plaintiffs are alleging here is that that is not what happened, and what they were saying is that. You know, back in, uh, I think, late 2005, various government agencies started looking into the defendant's VRDO remarketing services after being tipped by a whistleblower. And, you know, the whistleblower alleged that the remarketing agents, you know, which are the banks, 
were improperly kind of, you know, coordinating amongst themselves to set rates for BRDOs. And what the plaintiffs are saying is that as early as February 2008, the defendants were agreeing amongst themselves not to compete against each other, but instead to set the VRDO rates artificially high, which was obviously bad for customers like right. Philadelphia and Baltimore, you know, for, for reasons that I'm sure you guys understand. So the suit alleges that according to industry sources, employees at the defendant's trading desks and, you know, sales desks ex exchanged information daily using things like, you know, meeting in person, telephone calls, or, you know, even through Bloomberg chat rooms. Um, and, you know, keeping rates high, you know, the, the reason they want to keep these rates high is because it would mean that investors would be less likely or less inclined to exercise these put options, which allow the, you know, the banks to avoid having to carry the VRDOs in their inventory. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, the this alleged conspiracy uh, would, you know, allow the banks to continue racking up remarketing fees that, you know, the plaintiffs like, you know, Philadelphia and Baltimore are paying for essentially doing nothing. So, you know, that's what the, the, oh, the plaintiffs wow. would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, so and they, and they also said, you know, the complaint, the complaint also alleges, and this is all allegations, obviously, that, you know, the people involved have a personal motivation to keep these VRDO rates high. Because according to, you know, one insider, um, the complaint mentions, you know, the they are under immense pressure from senior management to keep VRDOs, you know, which are a, you know, to keep the VRDO rates, you know, high because they're a relatively low margin product for the defendants, you know, and they could risk losing their job. So they want to keep them off their books, the bank's books. Um, and right. so essentially banks, you know, they, they have, see VRDOs as kind of a way to lure customers so they can kind of upsell them higher margin services. But they're, they're almost like kind of a hot potato that these defendants just did not want to get stuck with. And, and, by, and by keeping the rates high, they kind of avoided that put problem, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, these, you know, Philly and Baltimore and other, you know, people in this, you know, alleged, you know, class, you know, uh, you know, purported class, you know, they're, they're paying for something they're allegedly not getting. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> like a hot potato. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, and let, let me ask you another question. So what, tell me there's a, what's the connection to money funds? Well, uh, some of the biggest players, you know, some of the, I'm sorry, some of the biggest investors, I should say, in VRDOs were affiliates of the banks and, you know, keeping VRDO, VRDO rates high benefited those affiliated money market funds as well, obviously, because now they're, you know, they're earning higher rates. Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, uh, the, the complaint uh, cites uh, one fund, um, the Morgan Stanley New York uh, Municipal Market uh, Trust, I believe. And it's a, as of uh, 2016, that fund had $1.2 billion in assets. Mm -hmm. And once the alleged artificial inflation of VRDO rates uh, kind of stopped, Morgan Stanley's funds, you know, slashed their exposure. And in fact, according to the complaint, uh, by 2019, that New York uh, Municipal Market Trust Fund had just $5 million, the, the complaint uh, said, if, I, if I'm correct, in assets. Um, so, so that's kind of a dramatic, um, you know, winding down, one would say. I see. So last question, Kathy. So tell us what's next in this case. So, well, the, the next pretrial conference is, is set for June 17th. And according to the scheduling order, uh, the, all the fact finding has to be done by December 3rd. But it looks like this case is going to be dragging on, you know, well into next year. Um, you know, I'm, there's dates on the 
scheduling like in July and um, of 2022. So, so it's going to be around for a while, but it's certainly an interesting case. Well, it's a fascinating case, Kathy. Uh, we appreciate your work on it and we hope to hear more about it in the upcoming months. Thanks, Young. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. All right. And that's our show for today. Many thanks to Kathy O'Donnell in Harrisburg, PA on the VRDO story. And thank you to our listeners out there who tune in week after week for the latest on Distress Mini Debt on the Mini Lowdown, the podcast produced by Dead Wire Municipals. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.